Hey, welcome back to Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve, and joining me, we've got Sean Glennis. Hello, folks. Sean, who's winning Game 7 tonight? Uh, the listeners to this program. That's correct. Good answer. Uh, is Chris Paul going to score 50? Not tonight. Not going to happen. That's the wrong Game 7. <laughs> no, exactly. But that's the thing. We <laughs> Listeners don't know when we're recording. This could be anything. They don't know what we're talking about. This could have been recorded last year. It doesn't matter. We're not a timely <laughs> podcast at all. Last year, before COVID was happening. Yeah. We just knocked all these out before COVID, and we've just been you know, sitting in quarantine, staring at the wall for the past we don't, six months. We don't even know what COVID means right now. Yeah. No clue. Absolutely no idea. Uh, I'm just making up words, and you're going along with it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's how it works. We're just riffing off each other. Ha <laughs> ha. Disease. <laughs> hey. Also joining me today, we got Adam Myros. Myros, how you doing? Uh, I, I'm doing all right, you know. It's a, kind of a, a rough slate of films we had here. It is pretty Almost rough. as bad as the money playing here. Well, I, I finally understand why people call you old booger lips. Like that reference, it's finally making sense to me. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad that we watched these movies. <clears throat> Broadening my horizons. Uh, finally joining us today because Stephen Coleman has taken off for the North Country of Wisconsin and uh, decided that that's more important than we are. That's right, Coleman. We're calling you out here. We got Jack Eason. And Jack, I have a question for you. In Ernest Rides Again, there's a classic struggle between the uh, titular American hero Ernest and a group of MI6 agents trying to retrieve the crown jewels. I need to know who you're rooting for. Well, I mean... Not the British ones, I guess. Although Ernest is a, a uncomfortable ally. I think we can all agree about that, okay. no matter where we're from. I just wanted to make sure that you <laughs> no longer have any allegiance to the monarchy. No, no, not really. No. Uh. <laughs> I mean, the Irish famously love the monarchy, right? <laughs> I'm just curious if Optimism Vaccine's got something going on here. Do we have, do we have like, sponsorship <laughs> I need to worry about? Because I'll renounce whatever. I don't give a shit anymore. Just give me money. Yeah, Prince Andrew uh, donates to our Patreon. <laughs> Jack, you're probably just uh, relieved that um, all of these were uh, better to your estimation than Man on Fire, I assume? Um, maybe. that's It's close. They didn't irk me as much, but I mean, frankly, I wouldn't wish some of these on anyone. So, And again, as we'll get to, at least I think one of these films has like, an audience. So yeah, that's me. something. Not yeah. Well, Man of Fire has that audience. That's true. I've always said that uh, Coke Sam's is the Tony Scott of the '90s, really. So, <laughs> really laid a lot of groundwork for Tony Scott's later work in the mid 2000s. Coke Sam's Club. That's what we're looking at here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is, yeah. This podcast is this this series. This three ep- three episode series is for all the cokeheads out there. <laughs> All my cokeheads and my cherry boys, we're here for you. We got all the earnest contents you need. All right, guys. Well, I guess we should dive right into this because uh, there is basketball to get watched here. Uh, so I think what the best way to do this is probably go chronologically. So we are hitting the earnest stride of sorts. Ernest had uh, a big hit with Ernest Goes to Camp, followed up with the modest success of Ernest Goes to Jail, and now... We're getting in well into the 90s, and Ernest is finishing up his contract with Disney. And we get a little holiday movie 
called Ernest Scared Stupid. From Touchstone Pictures, monstrous trolls have sprung to life. That's your hope you're from Gabler. And now, Ernest P. Worrell is springing into action. He'll try anything. I know Tai Chi Kung Fu Chowman. And everything. Your shoes untied. To save the day. It's showtime. Yeah. It's Ernest P. Worrell in a brand new movie. Ernest Scared Stupid. How about a bumper sandwich, booger lips? You know what I mean? Friday, October 11th at a theater near you. Wow, that was just like complete <laughs> 90s in a blender. Fantastic sound score. I would note it is scared stupid and not scared stiff, as I thought earlier, which would make it a much more, even more uncomfortable film, frankly. A little more sexually charged. I thought it was Ernest scared straight. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> This, uh, Steve, by the way, I, I just want to say I won't stand for this erasure considering that Ernest uh, Saves Christmas is, is in fact the highest grossing Ernest film. Uh, yeah, it's weird because Ernest Saves Christmas did really well, um, had a little bit higher of a budget than Ernest Goes to Camp or uh, Ernest Goes to Jail. And this one, Ernest Scared, I almost said Ernest Scared Stiff, which was actually a working title for this movie for a See? while, but you know, boner oh jokes. <laughs> Uh, so stiff ass Ernest. The problem with this movie is, it clearly has it an even sucks. bigger budget <laughs> than any of the previous Ernest movies, and yet it manages to suck way more ass than any Ernest movie I had seen up to this point. The power of nostalgia cannot be understated here. So I guess my big question is, why is everyone over the age of thirty a fucking idiot, and they think that this is some lost? great gem what what is going on what am i missing here i can't understand that like is that a thing that's a thing i mean like yeah, like yeah. i said earlier like my, the, the kindest thing i can say about Ernest scared stupid is that of three films that i've watched and only three i'm i'm tapping out here um this is the only one that i could imagine you could actually sit a child down to and they might actually enjoy it that's like this film to me works it makes sense as a film. It sucks. It's shitty, but it's like a it's a kids' film. It's got all the prerequisite like slime and slapping and goofiness, and has birthed a kid at least, just like hamming it up like crazy, getting a paycheck for whatever. Uh, you know, as we go on to the next two, it's like the, it becomes increasingly baffling as to who on earth they think is sitting down to watch these films. Mm. This one, at least, I can go. It's a kids' movie, and I'm not a child, so fine. Leave them to us. Yeah, doesn't make it fun for me. Uh, no, it's it's well, no, not fun. No, it's not fun. <laughs> God forbid. I, I guess part of the appeal for this with Ernest Scared Stupid for me as a kid was it was like the forbidden Ernest movie because it had this reputation of being too scary for children uh, because it, it's got these evil trolls in the movie, which are actually designed by the uh, the Kyoto brothers who did Killer Clowns from Outer Space. So the special effects are awesome. And almost all the trolls in this movie are actually clowns from Killer Clowns from Outer Space just repurposed as trolls. So they look really cool. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I was I was looking at going like these almost look, weirdly the overlap between them, they almost look like like Basket Case 2, like Gabe Bartos' <laughs> like crazy creations. <laughs> But um, that would be an even better film, or even wilder film. Yeah, the special effects in this one are surprisingly good. I was not expecting that. You know, the troll costume and various other elements are 
really pretty great, actually, the troll costume. I could see this would scare kids. Like, this, again, this, I feel, understand, has an audience that, like, kids, young kids, admittedly, you know, would watch this, and it's just, it's a little scary, and the, the troll is a little overbearing and ugly and gnarly, and they'd have, like, you know, just that little buzz of, like, fear that kids can get from the movie, and then everything works out okay. And, yeah, I, it makes, and they have the cute dog, they, they have whatever, what's his name? Um, Rimshot. Rimshot. Rimshot's in there. Why, why they got rid of him, I'll never know. He's, frankly, if anything's going to make these movies run smoother, why not have comedy animal sidekick? But I guess maybe he wanted too much money or something. But anyhow, <laughs> maybe as I keep coming back to, I feel like this movie, you know, it, it works. It's it's kind of crappy and weird, and it's got a weird gun violence uh, kind of fixation towards the end that was a little unsettling to me. But other than that, it's it's kind of like, maybe this would shut a child up. Yeah, Cal, good thing you didn't watch Jail, Jack. That to talk about your gun violence. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I your previous episode, I listened to it, and, and Steve, you played like some advert where he like was just setting off a machine gun in a garage or something, and it, it just <laughs> made me wonder where. Because yeah, like there's there's a scene in this where towards the end they find out that milk kills trolls. Which who? Why did anyone struggle with the fucking trolls prior to this? It's written in a book, literally, just milk kills them, and like anyone could have figured this out. But anyhow. I gotta remember that next time I log on. <clears throat> mm. Oh, <laughs> yeah, does it work on haters? Don't make your Twitter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's Haterade. So, um, when when it, like one of the kids gets like a little revolver water pistol and he, like shoots one, but he gets like almost like this cool like down the barrel shot as he shoots the troll, and it's like weirdly like you know this kid's like a hero because he's packing heat, and it's like strange because the nineties was like. The beginning, I feel like the full-on helicopter parenting, overprotective, idiot kind of stuff that's only gotten worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it's kind of weird. Um, it, it's strange the values in this film. I mean, not not least of all, I think we all came to this talking about this. This is like, like I was watching this, this thing. This is like just inches away from being a nightmare on Elm Street prequel because it's literally just about like some weird old guy who hangs out with kids all the time and the kids come to harm and it's like it, why do the parents not come for them oh that because is my biggest concern with this movie that's it's insane because if you if you lay it out it's like okay Ernest is a 40 something garbage man who exclusively spends time with a dog that's cute and a bunch of 10 year old children and then those children begin to mysteriously disappear and his only explanation <laughs> is that they were abducted by a troll <laughs> And at no point does anyone like try and just murder Ernest or arrest him. They just they just take it. They oh Ernest, there's no such thing as trolls. I'm sure little Jimmy will show up eventually. You're not a child molester. Yeah, uh, mm, I, don't yeah know. I mean, I didn't figure they'd go the child molester route, but I did kind of think that would be a plot point that he would get blamed for all of this. Yeah. But uh, no, not at all. Really. No, no. One, like, one eh. kid goes missing for at least two days and no one seems to give a shit because he wears glasses. See, this is... <laughs> as near as I can figure, that's this, the setup. This one is, uh, like, I, I can't... I, I wouldn't refute what, what Jack is saying about the... It seems like the most um, purposeful, I guess, or whatever. But, uh, you know, it has a, a has market value. Uh it seems just like straight up the least, the uh, the most disposable, just like just ephemeral screen presence. <laughs> just I, it's all just washing, it washed away from from my memory, and I watched it like yesterday, 
uh, yeah, Jack. I don't know. There's nothing there for me. On this. There's no jokes. There's no jokes. There's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And There's now, not enough. Er- it's like the least yeah, earnest yeah. Yes. Of, of all exactly. the earnest I think, yeah, it gets like, um, I mean, the fun with uh, the whole premise of the franchise is you put this wacky character in these, uh, you know, weird situations uh, or ordinary situations that he makes weird. And I think with Ernest Scared Stupid, mm-hmm. they put him in like this wacky situation uh, that kind of ends up obscuring uh, Ernest, taking away, you know, what he is able to do. Mm hmm. Yeah, it doesn't feel like an Ernest movie at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I'm, I'm just saying that I feel like if this works with mm-hmm. an audience, the the int- the interest with the next two we'll discuss. You know, that it, it, I don't think they're genuinely interesting films. I think there's just a confusion that creates an interest to an adult watching them because it's like people sat down and developed this. And, you know, even at its most crass, cinema is designed for an audience. It's how you recoup yeah. your money. And it just seems like they were incredibly careless with that basic conception. Well, I mean, Ernest is obviously the selling point. He's in there. It's just like, at a certain point, I don't understand why anything happens in the next two movies. Whereas at least <laughs> this is kind of like, this is designed to shut up children who will be scared a little. And apparently it worked, because now there's a bunch of kids who were kids who were 30-something now and who, for some reason, had their brains misfired to think this movie is good. So, honestly, there's some weird voodoo going on here. You see, I think there's, like, a two-fold answer to that. Uh, a, well, maybe we'll say three-fold, but kids just remember... Kids who are our age just kind of remember Ernest uh, blankly, and then they also... I would say this movie has the most memorable cover... And it also has uh, another thing people our age tend to get uh, uh, real hard on for is the uh, Hollywood practical effects, practical effects stuff. Oh, uh, so I think yeah, Halloween doesn't hurt either. You know, that's another uh, seasonal yeah. thing where people get very passionate about it. So I, I think yeah, there's I, a lot of like factors that make this sort of the most memorable earnest. Sure, film. and I think even genuinely scared kids too. That's that is there's a value to that. You know, your first movie that really spooked you. That's something. Right, but as far as what's on the screen, it's one of the very least memorable Ernest films, I would say. Yeah, there's uh, there's I mean, nothing I to remember. That it's shot well. <laughs> yeah. Name name a single joke, Jack. Name a single joke in this movie. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't <laughs> tell you a single joke from any yeah. of the movies. The short of right, there's in, in Ernest goes to school, he gets hit in the head with a fire extinguisher, and that was funny to me because I didn't think they'd do it, and then they did. And I, but that's that's barely even I made that joke, not them. So <laughs> frankly, yeah, I mean, that's not really a good metric. It's, There's actually uh, one scene it. that I I did enjoy. I didn't really laugh at it, but I just thought it was fun. Uh, there's a part at the end where the trolls and the townsfolk are all fighting with each other, and there's a cop, and one of the trolls takes the cop's gun and eats it. And then pins the cop against his own car and starts like vomiting bullets at the cop, and I, that that was pretty. Yeah, cool. they slap him in the back of the head with <laughs> with like a cricket bat or something. Like, it was a big flat bat. I don't know where they even found that, but yeah. And so he starts shooting the bullets. That yeah, I mean, it's yeah, that's like probably the closest this thing comes to a gag. Other than I mean, frankly, for me, I'll take away Eartha Kid is insane in this movie and weirdly intense and i feel like she's probably scarier than a troll to most kids 
And um, I think that's fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I didn't really, I saw the earliest movies, you know, here and there when I was growing up. They, were, they weren't really, they didn't imprint themselves on me at all. But like 60s Batman and Catwoman Earth the Kid, that I remember. And so I feel like this is, you know, that's something more I could latch onto. That's kind of like, that's an, an entertaining detail. I read that um, David Lynch also uh, got inspiration for this for the from this for the uh, the dumpster creature in Mulholland Drive. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I, I, this thing is is vacuous for me. I I, I really yeah. hated it. I must say, uh, I this is kind of a rough episode in general, and and this for me is is surprisingly. Maybe the worst, yeah, maybe the worst mm-hmm. film we we watched this far, and uh, I I really did not expect that because this is what this is the last uh, touchstone Ernest film, uh, and yeah, it, it obviously it does have some great effects. It's it's maybe the best looking Ernest film, uh, top to bottom. But it's just it it could have aired on like it could be a, a Disney Channel original or something like it, it's just there's no plot to this thing and. It does a lot of stuff with Varney that is much less successful than what precedes it, and a lot of that is is the characters too. Like I think that they were getting to this point in jail, and especially where they were integrating these different characters that Varney was playing, kind of seamlessly into this. And this film starts a sort of trend that is much less successful, where uh, Varney isn't dressing up as a character; he's he's sort of like got this dissociative identity disorder or something where all of a sudden he's just like shifting into different personas uh mid-scene for for no reason Mm -hmm. and it's impossible to tell if the children are supposed to be like seeing what we as the audience see or or what it's totally divorced from any sort of reality and very bizarre like what i don't even remember what he's he's telling some historical tale that is nonsense and yeah, it, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it it totally sucks. I hate the the new integration of the characters, and it seems to be getting worse and worse as these movies go on. But yeah, it it was just so much more fun when he did it semi organically as opposed to just kind of flipping out and doing voices, and then all of a sudden he's wearing a goofy outfit, and then he switches to another voice two seconds later. He's wearing another goofy outfit, and it's all without any rhyme or reason. It's just kind of a shotgun blast of stupidity. Uh, it's not fun. Not fun at all. Not into it. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if there's a ton to really say about this one. Uh, all these kids suck ass. Uh, there's there's no mm-hmm. good gags. It's boring. Nostalgia has poisoned your brain. You're all a bunch of dumb motherfuckers. And uh, Eartha Kitt's pretty creepy. That's that's all we got here, really. Now I I do like Miak. I do like Miak. The, the Miak. Okay, the Miak gag was 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 all right because of course when Ernest finds the book that tells you exactly how to kill trolls, which no one seemed to have found previously, uh, he he thinks that it, where it says milk, it says Miak. So he has to get like Bulgarian Miak, <laughs> and then he crashes some <laughs> school dance to. Th- it's not even a school <laughs> dance. It's like community center Halloween jamboree. It's. It's real fucking weird. Uh, Listen to you guys laughing over this this joyous film that you all secretly <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the right kind of dumb. That's the dumb you'd find in the first three movies. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. That's correct. 
I mean, uh, just just to correct the record, because I, I I'm probably the one who's stumping artist for this movie, but I do not disagree. It sucks, <laughs> and having the kids in the yeah yeah like child actors are bad at the best of times, and they're bad here. And yeah, it's it's just don't watch this movie. Don't bother. No, not worth it. Rides again on yeah, the other now hand. that's a that's a movie. <laughs> don't watch that either. <laughs> I mean, I guess we can we right, can jump right into we, we can jump right into it. So after Ernest is scared stupid, he is unceremoniously dropped from the Disney Touchstone family and decides to uh, you know start making indie films. And we get a little joint called Ernest Rides Again. Ernest Rides Again. Ernest, are you dead? Oh, I guess I would be if I weren't just that close to being an actual cartoon. This time, he's packing firepower. Ernest rides again. You'll want to bring the whole family. <laughs> it's a weird trailer. <laughs> That's a weird trailer. <laughs> that sounds... It's um, and, and, and this is just a cut. If, if you take the 92nd version, that whole thing was like, Ernest rides again. He's on a cannon. Do you think he's going <laughs> to shoot your family? He just might bring him with you. Ernest <laughs> rides again. It's, it's pretty relentless stuff. Uh, it's just, just a little taste. You can go seek that one out on YouTube. Boy. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, this is an interesting is one because it swaps wild. over. I just This swaps over from child actors to the the brilliant idea that Ernest should instead hang out with a double PhD professor <laughs> as a sidekick, yeah. which on paper seems ingenious but doesn't really play out so well. Yeah, he's like a he's like a like a Rick Moranis body mm-hmm. double. <laughs> well, and Jim, he had half the talent. <laughs> yeah. Jim Varney has said in interviews that uh, Doctor Mellon here is the closest approximation to showing Vern on camera. Uh, he kind of embodies a lot of the same Vern characteristics. <laughs> so they wanted to create a Vern like character and that's where they came up with a good doctor. There. Yeah. Now this one is, is interesting because in a lot of ways, this is a almost lost earnest film. Okay. So follow me here. Uh, it, it's. Can we make it's that possible. happen? <laughs> If you, if you dream hard enough, we can make anything happen. It wouldn't be that hard. You just got to get it off of streaming services at this point. So this is erroneously called the last Ernest movie to be released theatrically. It's not entirely true. Um, but it was the last one to get a semi-widespread theatrical release. And it was... Uh, it. First weekend, I believe it was 16. <laughs> That's impressive. I didn't even know that many movies were out at the same time. So good <laughs> on them for that one. Um, when <laughs> this this movie was, it was released and then immediately ripped out of theaters. Then it was put out on VHS. As far as DVD releases goes, it got one DVD release in 2012 where they kind of fucked up the aspect ratio. And... That DVD is long out of print. It's it's not not easy to find. How did they I don't know how they could do it. They also, put it in scope or something. <laughs> talk about film erasure. If you pick up, you know, you know the Leonard Malton movie guide that's like ten thousand pages, just a giant thick mm-hmm. fucking book. So he has like all the Ernest movies in there that were theatrically released, including School, which comes after this one. 
but he doesn't include Ernest Rides Again. It's just not in the book. It's totally cut out, and he calls Ernest Goes to School the fifth Ernest movie when it is, in fact, the sixth, and Ernest Rides Again is the fifth. So more erasure here. Um, <laughs> wow, so this is like the Weird. video nasty of the Ernest catalog. <laughs> 100%, man. That's that's exactly what this is. So this is the Ernest movie they don't want you to see, but Lord knows we're, we're seeing it, baby. That's how it's going down. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. So this is the one. <laughs> this is this is the one that I like. I say I just don't understand who this movie is for. Um, he hangs out with a professor. There's like a weird, like revisionist American history plot. There's two traveling salesmen for no particular reason. I think it's for kids who grew up with Ernest. You know, well, like, it's a year. Not... But it was made what like two years after Scared Stupid. Like they're not that much right. older. Like this is I don't understand the chronology of the, because the next movie goes back to school and he's hanging out with high schoolers. But here he's in college technically. Uh, you know, I thought oh, he's not going Ernest to classes. Is <laughs> he's, well, he's, he's, he's like a, a groundskeeper? I, I assume looking over this originally that if he's in, I was watching, I watched this one first and I was like, he's in college. So I assume Ernest goes to school would be in college. And it was weird when he went back to hanging out with high schoolers because his audience presumably would be getting older. So yeah. And, and the, the, the references in this film are weird. I mean, we have traveling vacuum salesmen who I don't think were a thing in the nineties at that point, traveling sale door to door salesmen generally. I don't think. Yeah. I th- were, like was that like a mate they were when i yeah. grew up really you had them mm-hmm. oh yeah okay. my parents bought yeah. a uh, rainbow vacuum for my salesman <laughs> holy That's shit cool. okay this must be an american thing so yeah, this is very american yeah, there thing. was like textbook salesmen like cleaning product sales because yeah. I mean, they made like salesmen in like the 60s with the Maisley's brothers and like that it was already looking yeah. like dark times for them but i guess they slumped <laughs> out for another 30 something years but we have that, and then we have the kids, they have Jello salad at one point. It's like, that was absolutely not a thing in the 90s. It's like chicken nuggets and fucking pizza pockets were like, that was the nine, not like Jello salad. That was way gone. Like, this film feels completely ripped out of time. <laughs> but in like a weird way, like, you know, Erie, Indiana or stuff like that did that, but it was like consciously evoked as like a, an outside of time kind of disjointedness dislocation right. here it just seems like it was written by people who don't know what who's watching it or like what are kids like i don't know they probably like john wayne or something like just completely that's because it was written clueless. by a bunch of 50 year old men that's it <laughs> i know and it and it shows mr sam and, and this is and at the end of this i mean your center point is him riding along in a cannon i was adam you know you said that this you reckon was maybe like his attempt at a like it's a mad 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 world Sure, and I think that's yeah. that. I think that's maybe what they're going for. But also, we bear in mind this film has no celebrity cameos, <laughs> so <laughs> no. it kind of falls short on that because that's kind of it's a Mad 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 World or Cannonball Run without the celebrities. Hey, it's a low 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 budget again. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So here's the theory: maybe uh, they thought they were going to get their Disney deal renewed, and they're like, "Ah, oh, we got this idea for a Cannonball Run type thing. We'll use some of that sweet Disney money to get some." Uh, B-grade celebrities in here, and then that fell through, and they're like, well, fuck it. <laughs> well, and I guess this was a pretty miserable shoot for old Jim Varney, too. Uh, they, they shot Ernest Rides Again and Ernest Goes to School back-to-back in Canada, and uh, they were doing pre-production for school while they were doing actual production on Ernest Rides Again, and Jim Varney said that, like, 
the entire time he spent an entire month just sitting on that damn cannon that he rides around on in the movie. And it was super cold because they were in Vancouver and he just like sat on a cannon freezing his ass off for a month. So not a fun I feel like I I watched him sit on that cannon for a fucking month. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Going in, I had no idea that was going to be the centerpiece. So when that just kept going on, I was kind of like, this is unusual. Yeah. There's so many things about the plot this. of this. Thing? Yeah, uh, that's like, what, what I'm going to try and do right now. Movie? It's incredible shit. Good luck, buddy. So <laughs> Ernest is the groundskeeper slash janitor at a college. And there is a professor there who has a, uh, a theory that has been rejected by his academic peers. And that theory is that the crown jewels were brought to America and then ended up in the hands of the Americans and were hidden inside of a giant cannon in Virginia, where this movie allegedly takes place. And that cannon was lost. So then the British, in order to save face, created new crown jewels. And so Ernest decides to take out his metal detector and destroy a construction site. In the process of doing so, comes across a metal thing that he thinks is a boomerang, it is, in fact, a piece of this cannon that they are looking for, which he then shares with the professor. They get the cannon, and then it rolls down the street for 45 minutes, and Ernest is on it. And he's being chased by MI6 and his wife in a like a, a fucking car with some salesman. The professor's wife. The professor's wife, yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah. And then with things whatever, happen. Laurel and Hardy. Yeah. And then he's also being pursued. He's also being pursued by an evil department chair. And this is my favorite part because it assumes that there's like the way that this movie thinks academia works just fucking rocks. There's like this nefarious department chair who's trying to take the doctor's theory for himself and and steal the crown jewels. And he's like a gazillionaire. And He's got like a mafia hitman squad that follows him around and like kills people, but also does research for him. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> I mean, we're we're pretty close out with adjunct professors. There, there'll come a point where they'll like clean up a murder scene for you just to keep a job. Yeah, my, I mean, my experience as a graduate assistant was totally different. I I don't know. That's maybe it's just me. <laughs> oh, really? I, I mean, it's confusing because yeah, he's uh, this professor who's so incredibly successful that he owns apparently like the Gutenberg printing press, the original, and a pharaoh, a mummy and Benjamin Franklin's kite, and just keeps them in his office somehow, like not on public display. And and then later on, because he so wants the crown jewels, shoots all of those things to shit while trying to kill Ernest. Um, Really weird kind of setup here. And he's not very... Yeah, he doesn't make sense as a bad guy. Like He's he's the stand-in corporate bad guy, and I guess it's just like colleges or corporations now. It's also never really established in the film why they are so adamant that the professor's theory is, you know, can't be acknowledged um, because uh, he, he apparently has an enormous amount of information to work from to the point that when Ernest shows up with a piece of metal with 314 on it or whatever, it's like, that's the number of the cannon. Like, that couldn't be literally anything. He says that's the number of, like, the battalion unit. And I was like, that could have been anything then, couldn't it? So, yeah, yeah it's it's a very confusing film, but it, it is um, just, I guess, strangely convoluted without any you know i don't i don't know 
I feel like if you put a kid in for, to sit down to watch this, they would be bored because it's just there's nothing much happening. I still don't think there's many jokes in this aside from Varney declaring as heard in the trailer that he is, you know, half an inch away or whatever from being a literal cartoon character, <laughs> which, you know, it's kind of like, okay, so there's a little bit of self-awareness there, but uh, yeah, that being that, it's like, why does anyone hang out with him? He ruins the professor's life, basically. He ruins he everything. That's the way that Ernest yeah, rolls. <laughs> See, yeah, this, this is actually like Hughes probably closest to, to if I'm describing, you know, comparing him to Ernest to Mr. Bean, the American Mr. Bean movie with uh, Peter McNichol mm-hmm. is actually quite similar to this in many ways, except that there's not a 45 minute uh, sequence of Mr. Bean uh, riding around on a cannon. But uh, yeah, there I feel are... like a lot of Mr. Bean purists would reject the motion picture. But uh, <laughs> sure, again, sure. That, them being Mr. Bean purists in existence anywhere. But the parallels of, of the professor character, if it were a, a more of a, an established actor like a Peter McNichol, could could really be a great foil for Ernest. But it, it's not very successful here. And it also has a similarly like destruction of a sort of priceless artifact here that it, it, that is one of the more successful mm-hmm. gags oh in yeah this film, when he destroys the mummy, mummy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah i genuinely laughed at that like he just like he touches the mummy and then the arm pops up and he's trying to put the arm back and he ends up putting his like fist through the mummy's chest and then he uh i like the part too where he he's he smells his fingers and uh he gives the the, the classic earnest uh that that you the uh hold on one of those <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, like the 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 mummies completely tatters, and they leave, and then it it totally falls apart. That's funny. the The joke with the cannon when the cannon goes through the RV. <laughs> That's funny. That's the best part. That's yeah, the best part that of the movie. There's there's some actual jokes, like actually like written jokes, as opposed to right. uh, like scared stupid, where there's there's really there's a few situational things, but there's not a lot of actual like written dialogue that's supposed to be funny for the listeners. Cause no one's going to watch this. Um, the cannon, he's riding the cannon and it goes through the RV windshield and the drivers go, don't shoot. <laughs> and then, and then the guy like takes a, a fishing pole and casts it at Ernest's face. And he has it like hooked on the cheek and it's, it's pretty amusing. Very I stupid, that. but quite amusing. I'll, I'll grant that. Yeah. This is a, this is a comedy. Like they, their intent here was to write a comedy, and their intent with "Scared Stupid" was obviously not. It's just they they were writing a movie for four year olds, and uh, that makes this more tolerable, even if it has some of the worst pacing you'll ever see in a film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's an enormous amount of this. I mean, we just had the opening sequence where I don't know if it's even described why Ernest goes out with a metal detector to a just housing development for no particular reason because he decides there's going to be stuff there and it turns out there is but there's like an extended sequence where he magics uh construction equipment alive and it just kind of like comes after him and destroys the housing project and it's just this incredibly lengthy sequence of you know quote-unquote destruction but with no particular kind of i mean it's not it's oh, something you haven't seen this is a, a double throwback gag man because it, it it evokes the uh the construction site uh massacre that ernest creates in ernest goes to camp and also mm-hmm. in ernest goes to jail where he electrocutes himself and gets electric powers this is it's it's all part of ernest <laughs> canon 
Unfortunately, this is uh, much worse than either of those. Like that uh, that <laughs> sequence to start the film, a cold open, Vert is just walking around with a, a fucking metal detector that turns power tools alive. It, I was just like, oh god, I don't want to fucking watch this. Like it just, it's so long. Like it's not yeah. funny at all. Is, that scene is just a setup to get us to the plot, and it, yeah, it's it's inexorable. It goes on forever, and it's. The whole film feels like the whole film is like a chase sequence, but you don't care right. if anyone escapes. Mm-hmm. That's the movie. Yeah, the, the movie doesn't even fucking care. Like, what's the resolution to this? The guy, his life is ruined. His his new car that he has not paid for is destroyed. Uh, he's lost his job. And you're like, oh, yeah, he got the crown jewels. Woo. Good. Good for him. And then MI6 just takes him away from <laughs> Well, and Ernest turns him into Elvis, though. Hold on. He, he turns the doctor into Elvis. Like, uh, I thought they'd have like a settlement or something. Like, oh, thank you, sir. We, you, we will financially reward you. But instead, that's not even mentioned at all. It's just like, fuck you. We're taking the jewels. I, one thing I liked about the conclusion is they tease that Ernest is going to become the king of England. Mm-hmm. And that, I thought that was like the best part of the film because he wears, he gets the crown stuck in his head. And then just randomly say, well, the rules say that whoever wears the crown jewels has to be king. And then he, like, gets booped on the nose and it falls off. And it's just caught by some other... And it's caught by, like, some random MI6 agent. I thought the best gag would be if the MI6 agent immediately put the crown on his head. But he doesn't. He just holds it. And then they just drop that plot point. And, like, I thought it was funny that they would hint that, like, the next one would be Ernest is the king of England or whatever. Like, fucking King Ralph. <laughs> to, I don't think they had the budget just, to pull it off. No, I mean obviously not. But like, I think it was funny that they had the wherewithal to hint at that and then just like throw it out. But then I feel they missed another gag along the way. And yeah, like no one, it doesn't really matter that anything, any of this happens. <laughs> well, I mean, there are a few high points here. I think the the opening credit sequence is special to say the least. So uh, there's this song that plays in the opening credits. Uh, let me give you a little taste of that. <laughs> so uh, the lyrics are incredible. It probably costs more to make that song than the rest of the production combined, honestly. <laughs> uh, but that that's a real banger. I mean, we, we could say that the opening credits to earn a scared stupid as like the you know, categorical classics of, like, Nosferatu edited into it, really giving that whole film a tremendous sense of class, and possibly giving children their first exposure to the great works of German expression of cinema. <laughs> yeah, and also some William Castle in there, too, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. All, all the yeah, good the stuff. floating brain and all that stuff, yeah. yeah. That's, good times. that's how we got to where we are today. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like the credit sequences for these films might be the best part of them, except that I don't even remember the credit sequence for Ghost of School, and that's the one I saw most recently. Yeah, uh, the credit sequence for that is is not uh, it's not a highlight. We'll say that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. They're just singing a muskrat song, and then like a football yeah. team stomps over them. <laughs> that's not. Oh okay, that's yeah. That's that's what I remember. I remember the song. I just wasn't sure if there was any images to go with it. No, pretty standard, like, panning over a college campus. Mm-hmm. Now, there's there's another first in this movie. Uh, we, we talk about how Ernest plays a lot of different characters, and uh, this, Ernest Rides Again, it's, it's more of that, like, crazy 
Ernest just flies into character with no rhyme or reason nonsense as opposed to the more organic stuff. There, There is one scene during the chase where he runs into a, a, a backyard and there's some clothes hanging and he dresses up like the old lady character and that's a little more organic. But mostly it's him just flying around doing the silly voices and turning into the silly characters. And for most of the Ernest films, he kind of recycles the same cast of voices, if you will. But... For the first time, we get Ernest does racism. <laughs> so he brings out this this classic character. Oh, no, Zaheem. Like five times, <laughs> at least. He's really leaning into the I can do a Indian guy voice thing. Well, this is all Indiana Jones. Yeah. He's yeah. like quoting Indiana right. Jones throughout this movie. For yeah. Some yeah. That's, I, I think that was the original nucleus for this was they wanted to do a more action packed earnest film. And that's, that's how they got to where they are. And so uh, this is Indiana. Ernest. How, how bad is it that, that, yeah, that what do you say that I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess this could be an Indiana Jones inspired film. And yet at no point watching it was I ever reminded of Indiana Jones. No. I guess not recognizing those quotes. Like, there's nothing else about it, in, not least of all the fact that Indiana Jones tends not to just hang out in the U.S. That was kind of like the adventure aspect. They went somewhere. I guess Ernest went to Canada to shoot it. But that would be, <laughs> like, Indiana Jones didn't go to Vancouver to do Temple of Doom. Although... That would have been pretty cool, yeah. actually. Yeah. I kind of want to see that now, but that's... Yeah, I mean, there's no glamour or glitz or ceremony to this film. This absolutely feels like it was put together in the most efficient, quotidian matter possible. Even like, I mean, the giant cannon moving along, I mean, it's, it just looks like a parade float. Like, quite clearly, it's just built onto a truck and just driven along Mm -hmm. and that's it and and Ernest sat on it for x number of months (laughs) there's no yeah there's no like aesthetic connection either would it be that tough to fucking do some of those map overlays or something like yeah uh no it's pretty lazy if it wants to actually be imitating uh indiana jones in any way it's just like it comes across as Ernest had watched the movie the day prior or something. It was just like, had it on his mind, so he kept fucking doing characters from Indiana Jones. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Well, the, I, I will say that, that their film back-to-back with school is interesting because they, A, have different directors, and mm-hmm. B, this is the only one uh, other than Camp that does not have uh, Bill Burge in it at all. He's He's not in this film. They do have their Abbott and Costello stand-ins, but uh, Sartain's long gone from the series, and uh, Burge is not one of them either, oddly enough. So, no. Yeah, uh, he does return for school, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that that is strange that they're back-to-back considering some of the the differences from the, the earnest norms between the two. It yeah. does introduce the uh, a new sort of player in uh, Linda Cash, who actually is gone on to be kind of one of Christopher Guest's sort of reserve uh, players as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think part of it was because, at least this is my theory on the the director difference, Uh, John R. Cherry III, our boy, he normally does the Ernest films, Uh, but when we move into the next one, that was directed by uh, frequent Ernest collaborator, writer, producer, Mr. Coke Sams, Uh, and and I'm guessing because they had to start pre-production while 
Rides Again was still in production, it just probably made sense to do different directors. And why not just call on the guy who's been working on these movies for God knows how long. So, uh, you know, before we get into school, though, I want to pivot away from Rides Again to talk about the earnest that could have been. So... In between Rides Again and School, Ernest was doing, Ernest, Jim Varney was doing a lot of interviews, and there were some interesting quotes that I was able to pull out of these. So there's one interview where he says that, quote, if Rides Again does well, we'll, be, we'll do a third and then another. So that'll be Ernest Spaced Out, in which Ernest goes away <laughs> in the space shuttle, or Water Babies, which is sort of an E.T. thing. It's got a lot of heart. It's a cute script. What the fuck is a water baby? <laughs> so it's, would it be called Ernest Water Babies? Yeah. Would, that, would that be the film? Okay, so I was confused. So I started Googling more Ernest Water Baby stuff just to figure out where this went. And I started Googling Ernest Spaced Out because I couldn't tell if these were two different films or if Ernest Spaced Out featured the water babies because he calls the water babies quote, sort of an E.T. thing. So I was like, are, are, they, are these things being conflated? What's going on? Found a nice interview with Jim Varney from the Wausau Daily Herald, shout out to Wausau, Wisconsin, in which he says, quote, in fact, we're by no means giving up on the movies yet. We have in development things like Ernest and the Curse of the Voodoo King, Ernest the Water Baby, and Ernest Spaced Out. We also have some non-Ernest projects under consideration. So... Uh, Ernest and the, the fucking voodoo, Water Babies is a separate one? thing. Yeah, now the voodoo that one. Now that sounds problematic. That piqued my yeah, interest. The possibility for racist or Ernest in voodoo magic thing would be that would be tremendous. And they could have ridden, ridden, ridden the coattails of like a Predator too. I mean, we haven't and, we uh, haven't gotten to Africa yet, so I'm sure. Yeah, now that's yeah, I'm not going there. That's what I was thinking. So I was like, okay, maybe Ernest and the Voodoo King eventually became. <laughs> Ernest goes to Africa. So I started Googling Ernest and, and the Voodoo King. And I found this quote from Mr. Coke Sams himself. He said, quote, I know Ernest and the Voodoo curse got as far as a script. So there's a script out there. Uh, quote, we went back to the Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein kind of thing. It had a really bad guy and happened on an island like Hawaii. I think by that time we decided we were going to be smart enough to write movies that take places on beaches. Because who'd, what if we all go to Hawaii? Wouldn't that be fun? So we had voodoo and a high priest. It was like an idiot version of Raiders of the Lost Ark. We had lines of zombies, voodoo potions, and Ernest pretending to be a zombie. So this was a separate thing. And it seems like the, the spaced out movie and, and Ernest and the Water Babies also got scripts. So somewhere floating around, perhaps in the archives of Coke Sam's or John Sherry III, there are scripts for just unproduced Ernest movies. Who knew? This is really disappointing because it turns out, so we could have had Mac and me and Ernest and also I walked with an Ernest. Yeah, exactly. And we get neither. You get nothing, nothing. It's depressing. So instead of these gems, we get a little movie called <laughs> Ernest Goes to School. Ernest B. Warren is about to face his worst nightmare. Right, class. Blackboard problem. Oh, no. Not that. Anything but that. Ah. Not back to school. 
Ernest, I feel the <laughs> same way, man. These are super abrasive trailers. The like trailers the are rough, yeah, these, man. Like, <laughs> fucking David Lynch short film. They had to get the attention pounding. of kids. <laughs> well, That's not that difficult, I feel like, but okay. <laughs> when they got like 18 toys in their hands, it is. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd say that like the the trailers when you watch them with the actual video and everything that they're less abrasive but they're actually more in your face and uh they're a little terrifying very fucking scary stuff so hey guys Ernest went to school how about that Fuck. Yeah, so, Steve. no, uh, no. I, I mean it's not good but it's it's definitely the fillet of this uh triptych and See, I don't know about that. For me, this was my <laughs> least favorite of the bunch. I was, I was struck. Well, that's so weird. That's so, you guys are, you got, you got Ernest scared stupid, which is just like I said, like ephemeral, just like nothing. And then you got rides again, which is just like uh, it goes nowhere, but does it forever. And then you have, is that the one that's a that's a hundred hundred minutes? And then you got this one. Which has uh, like a actual plot mechanics and like devices that are working, and then you have Will Sasso just like laughing for like <laughs> probably probably fifteen minutes full of screen I time. Mean, to, to be fair, Scared Stupid has a plot and plot mechanics. They're just children's movie plot mechanics. Yeah, which you know I don't think there's much to divide that between this and Ernest being smart right, right. thanks to a machine, but then deciding it's best to not cheat for some damn reason because he keeps telling kids they're not supposed to cheat. I don't know. And, what. and so I mean that's kind of the thing with school is like, uh, I mean uh, the the end is is bad. It's dumb. But uh, you got like a good forty-five minutes of I, what I thought was pretty entertaining uh, stuff. At least For, forty-five Michael minutes of flowers for Algernon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I, you got you got Varney doing this uh, uh, smart when he gets like this smart like brain transfusion stuff or whatever. And uh, I think he's quite good as this uh, uh, completely different character. Um, and there's some funny gags in there. I don't know. Like, for me, the difficulty is that I don't know if Ernest Goes to School is the worst of the three films or just feels like it because it's the third one I watched. That I watched two of these and then watched another one. And it was like, at that point, my brain was just, like, rejecting maybe, outright everything that was happening. Maybe you should screen. go back to it again this weekend. Yeah, it. I don't, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll pencil that down as a maybe. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> like, Ernest's smart guy shtick, it just struck me as being... Like, really lazy. Like, I guess it's kids' movie mechanics still. So it's really lazy. Like, all knowledge is, like, a priori. Like, it's... it's he. I don't. I guess they bombard him with video stuff, like in Clockwork Orange or something. So he's absorbing all this knowledge, but he becomes like he becomes physically adept. Like he starts doing gymnastics and shit. It's like Lucy, the Luke Besson film, but even <laughs> dumber somehow, which is really impressive. Uh, Luke Besson could do an earnest film. I feel like they both have the same commitment towards having a coherent script. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, if it's, if he did an earnest film, though, he'd recast Ernest as a sixteen-year-old girl. Yeah, and it would be better for one thing. <laughs> just it would, and it would have more like cell phone commercial video tricks to it. But um, yeah, like Ghost of School just is is a very confusing. It just, like the plot is 
I mean, we a while back we watched like Whoopi Goldberg movies, and we watched uh, like Sister Act Two, which is like one of the laziest films I've ever seen from a major studio, <laughs> and yet somehow this movie makes even less sense than it in terms of its understanding of like you know, we're going to close this school down. And this school is, and we're going to give like four weeks, which is an incredible turnaround time for shutting down like a huge ass high school. Meanwhile, the high school has just this range of extracurricular activities and all kinds of like fully stocked classrooms and a fully functioning football team, etc. And also has on staff like mad scientists who have cordoned off their own little lab to create an incredible, it's like atomic brain machine um, like the the film is all over the place. Doesn't really lay out its stakes because who cares if the school closes? No one particularly. At some point, and I'm, I did, did anyone catch why the school's fate ends up being about a football game? Because the last like half hour of this is like, I, a football game. I'm confused about all of this because there's like a, a school okay. board <laughs> auditor who comes in and he's like, yeah. "Listen up, Principal McPoopy Pants, you're gonna get shut down." Because your school is old and out of date. And you're like, this school doesn't look so bad. And the principal says, No, it's a nice school. Oh, but sir, we're going to graduate 100% of our senior class. Not good enough. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out your janitor never graduated from high school. (laughs) Unacceptable. Yeah, I love the concept that everyone in the school has to have a high school degree. Like, most schools don't run, like, on Sodexo prison labor for their school lunches, if nothing else. Also, yeah. 100%. I feel like my senior class had, like, a 45%. Yeah, that's about where I'm at, yeah. <laughs> Fucking 100%? Jeez. Get the Presidential Medal of Honor here for that. That's not... That doesn't happen. What? <laughs> Um, and, what, and what's his grudge? Like, is it ever established why this guy personally hates the school? Is there any, like, reason he would benefit from it closing? I didn't find anything like that there. No. No, that that should probably be established. Again, this is like, <laughs> I, I, I don't even know what to make of this because I'm kind of with Sean. I feel like this is the most, this is more of what I want from an earnest film than the other two probably, but it's also, like, legitimately half a movie and then the last half hour of the fucking thing is just a nightmare but there's really no reason why they couldn't have just adjusted a few things like why not use that time to just you know fill it with more earnest gags the end of this movie should just be your stupid moralist uh don't cheat take your exam pass your exam graduate the end great what Mm. the fuck's this football game doing (laughs) Nobody I, likes it. It's like they watched, it's like they watched the freshman, like the Harold Lloyd <laughs> film, and they're just like, okay, college football, and it's not even college, it's high no. school. Yeah, and um, yeah, it, I don't understand how it relates because it isn't the freshman, which establishes why a football game occurs. And um, they just wanted, I guess, a lot of like a lot of physical gags, and the physical gags are really weak throughout the football game, and ironically, mostly rely on cheating, which they just told us is wrong. Right, um, yeah, you could, the you physical know, gags, like, as in the band stuff, it, is successful enough, like, as as him getting his comeuppance with this ridiculous fucking uh, band performance, again, that that's kind of the end of the second act, and then we move on to Ernest's redemption arc, but unfortunately, that's not the way this is structured. Uh, the redemption arc is then followed by a half hour of nonsense, like, just total nonsense, and because... 
it's formatted that way like we don't get any real investment in the school because it's all kind of rushed Mm -hmm. like Ernest's school experience is like three classes (laughs) it seems like you know he he attends a couple classes the end and then uh including uh, one that just moves on to this fucking uh, quarterback Ernest for some fucking un unknown reason i have no earthly idea i mean the justification given is that they can't close down a school that produces champions but Mm. uh who gives a fuck i i can't i'm trying to figure out Ernest's class load because it seems like he's okay so he's taking math math because he does the the gag where he squeezes the glue and he like jizzes all over the the math teacher's face and we all laugh and then he's got a history class because yeah, yeah. his his flowers for Algernon powers start to wear out during his history report, so we get a his little porky pig thing that he does, and then his only other class seems to be gym, wherein they're teaching pro wrestling to the kids. <laughs> pro wrestling, yes. There's actually a good joke <laughs> in this because, uh, he says at one point like the the the. Teacher's like, all right, Ernest, get in there. You got to fight Bonesaw or whoever the name of the other guy, the other wrestler <laughs> is. And Ernest goes, well, I don't know if that'd be fair to him because, as you know, I've uh, watched every single WrestleMania since Hulk Hogan uh, lost to the Ultimate Warrior. And in the timeline, that means Ernest has only watched like two WrestleManias, basically. So it's, <laughs> I mean, I, so I, I got I a little wonder about that. Yeah. So that was that was kind of funnish. For me, I guess if you have a in-depth knowledge of '90s WrestleMania wrestling cards, and also you like Ernest movies, you might have laughed at that. I, I don't. I'm, I'm grasping here. The, the point is, is I, he doesn't really try at school very much. That's for fucking sure. And maybe band does band count as a yeah, class? In I guess this band. Scenario? Yeah, it seems band is there, but marching band clearly more of an extracurricular, which he seems to put a lot of effort into. There's there's also a romance element because he's he's falling in love with the teacher of a band, which is completely underutilized. Nothing happens. With no, it. nothing comes out of it uh, for sure. I'd actually for, I'd forgotten about it until it just randomly came back to me. Yeah, again, this film has uh, on the surface has a certain number of like coherent strands to follow for story and comedy and it kind of squanders almost all of them yeah it's, it's kind of an impressive the relationship thing just i feel like a lot of that ended up on the cutting room floor because it seems very one-sided to me like Ernest doesn't seem to have a lot of romantic feelings towards the teacher but not in like a comedic way whereas every time the camera pans over to her she's giving him eyes like she wants to ride on that fucking varney vein you know and it, it it's just weird it doesn't make any sense uh, well, there is like that fantasy sequence at her introduction that Ernest is uh, pining for her to some extent. But uh, I agree, it must there must be some better cut of this fucking movie. Or Release the Coke like, Sam's cut. out of time or money or Release something. Release the Coke <laughs> Sam's cut. Yeah, it's it's the same cut. You just have to do cocaine. Yeah, no. it's all alluded to that they're like she invites Ernest to this fucking uh, dance and. Uh, yeah, so you would assume, again, this is right when he's having his uh, humility moment here. Uh, his ego gets the best of him, and, and horrible results ensue. And uh, you'd think it's going to go immediately next to this dance. and It's not even in the movie. <laughs> no. Yeah, that was weird. 
Because because it feels like a high school movie is about a dance more than a football game. And, you know, I mean, I guess it could go either way. But, like, yeah, they build into the dance and then that's not even a thing. And, like, high, you know, school movies and this is, like, early 90s. So all the John Hughes shit is fresh and you're, like, there's a generation where having kids who are probably picking this stuff up now. Um all fresh in their memories and it just doesn't it doesn't even capitalize on that it's it's a very confusing mishmash of things yeah you know and on the last episode i think i said that earnest movies work best when you let earnest be earnest and do his little gags what i didn't know was that there was such thing as maybe a little too much and this movie definitely takes us into a little too much territory uh some of the cartoony stuff did not work for me like this is full cartoon character Ernest to a degree that makes it no longer funny because I mean it's it's funny when Ernest gets trampled and makes a silly face or gets you know twisted up and his legs in a weird position he's like Ugh! like that's that's funny he gets his hand slammed in a dumpster that's funny and obviously if this was real he would be dead or maimed horribly but in this movie, like even in the opening, there's a scene where he's like, all right, football players, good job, baby, baby. And they just kind of trample over him. And then the next shot is him, like a cartoon character, just completely like pancaked out on the ground with like cleat marks. <laughs> like, it's pretty funny. I don't know. That's It just, it doesn't work as, as well for me. I like Ernest. There, there's another gag in here where he's, He's doing the plumbing in in the boys' locker room, mm-hmm. and this is another one ripped straight from a cartoon. But you know, he he kind of plugs the leak, and then the pipe kind of starts shaking and sticks out, and he sticks it back in, and the toilets move forward. And- it was done. It was done a lot better in uh, Small Time Crooks by uh, John Lovitz and Woody Allen. Yeah, there you go. Uh- <laughs> the trash can lid. Yeah, the trash can uh, lid. Uh, I think that we're underselling. Uh, just how much Will Sasso contributes to this film. Uh, I, with, with almost no lines. He's an, he's an oh, angel. Yeah. Just shining. There, there is, I think he does have one off-screen line in the background. You can hear him yelling something, and I thought it was really funny. Like it, He's just like cheering on Ernest. I can't remember the context, but it's really funny. But uh, he was clearly just like... Uh, you know, brought up on like Chris Farley SNL stuff, just like watching him in the background acting, mm-hmm. it just just going all out on just like laughing and like clapping and just getting really into it. And I mean, I think it really does add quite a bit to whatever this movie is. Uh, <laughs> without him, it would not be uh, quite as enjoyable. It should be said though that he he's credited as William Sasso, not Will Sasso. So give him his due here. Okay. <laughs> I will say, I think one of the, like, unironically, one of the funniest things to me, and I don't think it was an intended joke, was the mad scientist woman's accent, which is, I feel it's like, I don't know what direction she got, but it's like a Germanic accent with like this weird, almost like, I don't know, like New York Jew in like intonation. It's a, like, it's a really off accent for what would seem like a stock character. And I thought that was kind of fun because it just seemed really awkward and strange throughout it. So, frankly, that and Ernest getting hit in the head with a fire extinguisher are the highlights of this film for me. <laughs> oh, is this? Uh, we should mention that Bill Burge gets himself a speaking line in this film. I think that mm-hmm. might be the first time in all of these. Yeah, I, I don't uh, think he's had. I, one I, I was shocked to see it. Uh, I, I'm like, is he going to be talking this whole fucking movie? Because that's weird. And it was yeah. just just once. He was just like, hello. 
Now they got to pay him uh, his his SAG rate because he finally got a line. So <laughs> Bill Burge gets paid. He's like a, he well he retired in the '90s, but he was a librarian. Like he just did earnest stuff on the side. He's he's a full time librarian. <laughs> Damn dude, <laughs> never never got a paycheck beyond earnest. Poor guy. Uh yeah. I you know we're going back and forth on these. You know, Sean was just like, oh, this one's my favorite. How you know how dare you? And I was like, no, nah, this one's the shittiest. Honestly, we're splitting hairs at this point. You can, you can kind of shuffle these around. The differences are, are minor. This is a, a dark period of of the earnest filmography. I would wholeheartedly not recommend any of these films to anyone. This is very fully true. say that. Yeah, you could get you could make like a compilation uh, that would be like twenty minutes long, maybe of of stuff that works <laughs> out of these three films. I I mean I've got. I've got some recommendations. I, I would recommend this to uh, Coke Sam's Completionists and also Children I Don't Like. Hey, speaking <laughs> uh, Well, first I was going to say that um, uh, the only thing maybe that wouldn't be in from school in that 20-minute supercut is uh, uh, Ernest in Scared Stupid saying Coop de Grass. Which is uh, a fun, fun line, uh, pun. Um, but speaking of Coke Sam's completionist, he directed something called Existo in 1999 that uh, featured Jim Varney. Do we know what this is? I do not. That's a no Stephen idea. Coleman question. I, I, I don't think. I don't think he wrote it. Yeah, he 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 didn't write it or produce it. But uh, it's it's. About a psycho marionette and the devil that pulled his strings or something? I don't know. This, oh, it does a dystopian musical comedy, and it has a pretty dark cover, so this looks this looks like uh, very much like cult I, status. Yeah, I got that pulled up. On IMDb, it has 206 votes. So yeah, no on, on Letterboxd, it, it has 28. So, yeah, this seems like we need to reach out to Coke Sam's. Yeah. Coke Sam's, go on optimism vaccine. Uh, maybe we'll cover uh, it in the uh, the Patreon Jim Varney uh, special that we're doing where a, we do his other movies. Yeah. Wow, this looks so weird. <laughs> I'm sure I could get you a copy. Yeah, find me a pirated copy of all the Coke Sam's movies. Sorry, Coke. If you have a legit copy, I'll buy it, I promise. Gotta support your career, dude. <laughs> <laughs> just Yeah, just mail him a check for like 30 bucks. Yeah, you know. probably be fine. All right, well, I guess we should probably wrap this one up. So if you are listening to this podcast right now, do us a big favor. Click on the description, and you will see a lovely link that leads you to our iTunes page, uh, now Apple Podcasts, excuse me. When you go to that page, do us a favor and give us a five-star written review. Why would you do that? Well, one, it takes like three seconds. Don't be such a fucking baby about it. Two, helps our discoverability because of the magical iTunes algorithm that favors written reviews and high star rankings. So if you do that, you can help us out. And the more you help you help us out, then the more content we can create. And isn't that what the world needs more of? Probably not, but I, I tend to think so. Also, there's a link to our Patreon page. If you would like to make a financial contribution to this show, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, for just three measly bucks a month, you can gain access to our private Patreon feed that has a ton of old Optimism Vaccine podcasts and 
written content that you can't get anywhere else, plus new content coming, including a Jim Varney special, which may have a Coke Sam's uh, weird sci-fi musical <laughs> added to it now. Hey, we're just we're, just, we're creating content on the fly. That's how much we fucking care about you. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. Give us three dollars. That'd be cool. In addition to that, you could tweet at us at Optimism Vaccine, or if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, please send those to Optimism Vaccine at gmail.com. Adam Myros is standing by refreshing the inbox every second of every day. That's all he does, really. Uh, yeah, you could join us for our next episode where Myros is going to watch the Snyder Cut of Justice League and none of us are going to watch it. And then we're going to make fun of him for being a dumb asshole. Uh, or maybe we'll just do more earnest movies. Who knows? It's hard to say. And I think Ernest is getting the last word tonight, baby. Know what I mean? 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 Know what I